I think um, the blessing of the three is having the confidence to go after something that I don't think I'm particularly good at, sciences, um, but that three, like, cockiness where you're like, I can do anything. Like, <laughs> like I don't think most people would go after a degree where they're like, I am not good at, like, I'm not good at this, but I'm going to go after it because I know if I work hard enough, it'll probably work out for me. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of What It's Like to Be You. I'm Josh Levine, your host. Today, my guest is Nancy Walter. And Nancy is a co-host on the Big Hormone Enneagram podcast, has been for since the beginning. And she's also a self-pres social type three with a four wing, not three, six, nine trifix. So very, very similar typing to me with the exception that I'm social self-pres and the order for me is 396, the order for Nancy is 369. This interview was fascinating on many levels. Nancy is, oh, and actually I want to say this up front. This is not an episode to listen to with children or if you are sensitive to content like suicidal ideation or severe mental health struggles or sexual topics like sugaring. Nancy has, has led a fascinating life. And she really struggled with a severe mental health condition for a really long time. And um, throughout her childhood, it was very confusing and very frustrating and led to some suicidal thoughts, which we explore and a number of interesting later in life revelations about who she is, what she wants to be that kind of make her a three. But what's interesting about this interview is how because of Nancy's mental health struggles her story as a three is somewhat unstereotypic and I really like exploring these kinds of unstereotypical stories that illuminate or help us get a little further closer into the core of what three really is so we explore a lot of the similar three themes like discovering who you really are the importance of being good at something feeling like you're good at something for threes the transition from needing to be good at something to just pursuing something because you love it, which is something that Nancy started to do in the last couple of years. It's very cool. And one thing to mention about this conversation is that we are catching Nancy at a moment where she's just two weeks after landing in the United States, having moved back from the Netherlands. She moved to the Netherlands to pursue graduate school and also it was a big life vision dream of hers and her husband's to go live there and it just didn't work out because of some logistical things and practical details and visa struggles and etc etc and that was a very painful thing to have to regroup and so nancy is a little bit licking her wounds and regrouping and she now has a plan for what she's doing next but here she is in this somewhat sensitive moment of reflection so I really loved this conversation. Nancy's really funny. She's really saucy and she kind of, <laughs> she's really good at poking people, including me. And um, I just, you know, from the point of view of exploring what three really is and contrasting my story as a three with her story as a three and um, these three themes of like fulfilling your potential, discovering who you really are, lighting the inner fire, all these things are really salient throughout her story. and. Really think you'll enjoy this conversation. One final thing to mention is that Nancy's story pivots around a really important road trip that she took a few years ago in which she chose to live. So with that as context, here's Nancy. I, I want to talk about I want to talk about your road trip. Um, but I want to talk about it first by setting it up like 
can you tell us about what your childhood was like and what and just being depressed for as long as you were and then my understanding is that the road trip was the first time where you basically said i am going to choose to actually live and participate here in this world and it was kind of it was a major life turning point for you this is my understanding yeah yeah so go ahead and one other thing i'll say is my sense from our last conversation is that you consider the mental health challenges that you've had in a totally separate category from the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I find that interesting and the, the quality of your um, condition or I like, I want you to put your words to it um, in relation to you being a three. I'm, I'm interested in the intersection of that if you have words for it, but yeah. let's start with like being a kid and then, and then going on the road trip well, it all started on November 6, 1995. Um, just kidding. So the... I'm not 100% sure how, like how to contextualize this for you. Um, I guess I can start by saying that I really struggled with mental health as a child. Yeah, um, since when? Or how since, old are you? Like, yeah, since when I was like, as far as I can remember, so since I was like two. Uh-huh. Um, so it started with more anxiety uh, symptoms um, mm-hmm. and turned into depression pretty quickly. So I experienced depression as young as maybe eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't, you know, at that point, you don't know what's going on. You just, you know, think you're just sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I struggled with it pretty much my whole life um you know for those out there that are interested i would um self-diagnose myself as on the autism spectrum but Mm -hmm. i haven't been able to get a formal diagnosis for multiple reasons but um not the least of which it's expensive as fuck but um, I was never tested as a child, so I just kind of raw-dogged anxiety and depression as a kid. Um, no medication, <laughs> um, no therapy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I grew up in the... Um, <laughs> excuse me. I grew up in the uh, uh, Presbyterian church, so um, there was a lot of like pray away your feelings kind of thing. And if you oh, have yeah. any of these feelings, like you're not a good enough Christian kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that so, worked, that worked for you. And Oh yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I am cured actually. <laughs> I prayed once to God and I was like, wow, I'm happy now. Nothing ever bothers me. Um, yeah. When uh, 10 out of 10 would totally recommend Christianity for mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, so here's a good little three story of like me being like sure. a little like uh, self-pressed three. I um, got caught smoking weed one time. Mm-hmm. Um, How old were you? Devil, oh, maybe 15. Okay. Um, not super young, but young enough. Um, stay away from drugs, kids. Anyway. So I, my parents sent me to a therapist, but it was a Christian therapist. Okay. <laughs> I put on such a good show. Like, I, as a 15-year-old, knew that I was fucked up. Like, I was like, I am not right in the head. Something is wrong here. 
but I wasn't vulnerable enough to like tell anybody or show it. Like nobody knew. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. So, like yeah. a couple people probably knew, but like not really, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Um yeah. and so I went to the therapist and like I was talking to her and I was trying to be honest, but like I just I like couldn't be like vulnerable. Like when I would talk about my emotions as a child, like it was very like stilted. And I still get that way sometimes. Like I'll talk about my emotions as if they're over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was worse as a kid. And so she like at the second or third session, she was like, Nancy, I don't even know why you're here. Like you don't have anything wrong with you. You're good to go. Like just don't come back. And I was like, looking back, I was so close to offing myself at that point. Wow. Trigger oh warning. God. Sorry, people. But like, I think about that therapist so much. I don't remember her name. I don't remember what she looks like at all. But I'm like, ma'am, I was like ready to go. I was ready to go. And you were like, mm-hmm. bye-bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lady. Um. So yeah. When anyway. you say when you say you were ready to go, I I do actually want to get more texture on that. Like, um, what do you mean? Um, I mean, I was ready to, like, not live yeah, anymore. I was ready to that's kill right. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you'd been having like suicidal ideation for a while, right? And yeah, probably since off. I was twelve or thirteen. You're right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So most most of my uh, like teenagehood was heavy ideation. Sure. Um, like I had a okay. plan, written notes, whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. So and mm-hmm. I was like close to peak, um, like depression when she when when the lady sent me out of her office. That is amazing. And so I know. you so so do you remember your motive or like what was going through your head in that session or in those sessions i was i was really insulted i i don't know why insulted was what i felt Mm -hmm. but and i so um anybody who struggled with mental health probably knows like um it's a like remembering your childhood's a bit like looking into fog like it's i remember bits and pieces but i don't really remember it uh-huh. So um, just keep that in mind when I'm talking. Timelines are really m- mixed up. Um, okay. I don't have full memory of it. But um, yeah, I was really insulted. I it felt I felt really hurt because um, and I felt like I couldn't be helped because it was like the one chance I felt like I had at really getting help because I knew I needed help, but I didn't know how to ask. And I was like, oh, thank God, like someone's going to see through this. And she didn't. Ah, uh, okay. And it was like, oh, so like it's my fault that people aren't seeing through this. And as a 15-year-old, I how, what do you do with that information? Like you can't be like, hmm, why do I block out my emo-? Like you, you need someone with you for that experience. So, like, So let me just get it right. And I, I understand that the memory is a little foggy, but... So it's kind of like there you are in a therapy session when you're really young, you are really depressed, you're aware that you're depressed, you're aware that you are, in your words, like really fucked up, <laughs> and you go to a therapist and put on a show that presents as like the picture of health. Pretty much. And <clears throat> um, and she's like, oh, you're great, like no problem, see you later. Mm-hmm. 
and that is the thing that insults you like because she just didn't like it's almost like you were testing the therapist in a certain way like does she pass the test of seeing through my presentation not that that was a conscious motive but like the fact that she didn't was a disappointment to you yeah yeah it was a bit like a test it was a bit like Mm -hmm. a test because um it's interesting you say that because I think the people who like had really like I had like latched on to in my like there were a couple friends that I had that I knew how bad it was or you know close to how bad it was mm-hmm. um and they could figure it out pretty quick upon meeting me but it was probably because they were also depressed <laughs> so they were probably like I clocked me right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so I guess it was a bit of a test of like how do you see this do you see what's going on because if you don't, I don't think you can be here with me. Amazing. Okay. It, yeah. I'm just, it's uh, where my mind is going is thinking about my experience in therapy once, which I'll actually, I'm happy to share that, but later. Yes. Um, and also a recent client that I met or potential client that I met who was like very obviously a three right away. <laughs> and the over the course of our conversation i mean he presented with this just absolute like i like i don't want to reveal any details about him um but he presented in uh, like kind of like, like you he's said got like it the, covered he's got it covered like you know yeah. he really wants a coach but also don't this really is all the stuff one. that he's doing and he's right. like thought about all these things and these are the books he's read and stuff like that and there was a way that there's um <laughs> there was this it felt like he was negotiating, um, <laughs> trying to hold together both the desire for a coach and the fact that he's got it all together at the same time. Yeah. No, I'm very um, familiar with that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, likewise. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So there you are. Back to your 15-year-old self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't really know where I was going with that. I think it was just a funny story. Um, yeah. Well, but so I think the place to go is, so you were 15, you had this moment that was like the one possible lifeline that was, um, that basically didn't work out. Um, right. And, and so you stayed depressed, you chose not to off yourself and you're still here and you are maybe uh, like to the extent that it's possible, um, given your memory, like just the the very brief kind of spark notes from like 15 to um the moment of just of choosing to go on the road trip and choosing to live as far as like mental health or as far as what i did as far as let me say it this way what i am curious about is there's something about your road trip that feels like poetic, cinematic, um, redemptive, and and it feels I, I if I were to put it on the enneagram, it it feels three-ish. I don't know why yet, but it just has the feeling to me. Very and self-res three specifically. It reminds me of moments in my life, like well, for example, last year I spent. Um, in two different stints, a total of five months in a cabin in the woods by myself. And it was the most 
it was the happiest I've ever been. And it was just absolutely rejuvenating. And it decalcified all of my patterns and it purged all of the things that had influenced me. Not all of them. Um, but it was just... <laughs> you are healed. You are 100%. <laughs> but it just, done. it was the first time I really experienced myself on my own, doing my own thing without mm -hmm. the pressures of anything of anything or anyone else on me. And it was absolutely revitalizing and rejuvenating. And, um, and it kind of like woke up my joy again. And it sounds to me like your road trip um, was a similar experience for you and helped you come back to life. And I'm curious about your experience of that as a three, mm -hmm. um, if, if that's the right framing for you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so part of what I'll talk about is, you know, whether whether or not you believe in medium bullshit. Um, one explanation I got for like when like what I call like the fog kind of lifted um, mm -hmm. in my life. I apparently, according to a medium, had like a out basically in like at like 16, which tracks uh okay. for like when i was um like had a gun in my, gun in my hand ready to shoot myself mm -hmm. um so that tracks um i had an out and i chose not to take it and mm -hmm. so my life up until that point was very much like a i am only living to here and it didn't feel like living and then after that was kind of that door closing and mm -hmm. almost like a rebirth for lack of a better term of like oh i'm here now this is where i'll be for a while however long it is um now what kind of thing so i was still extremely depressed like my mental illness didn't go away um but mm -hmm. just the feeling of not being meant to be here was gone um, so as that door is closing from like 16 to 21 was kind of when I was, uh, experiencing a little bit of living and I did that through, so I didn't like, I graduated high school. I was a really low grade student because <laughs> mental health, um, and I didn't go to college because I didn't know what I wanted to do because I just realized that I was going to be on this earth. So I had never made a plan to make it to 18. So I see. Yep. Yeah. There was no dreams. There were no dreams um, right. to live. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So I got, I got like recruited by a sales agency and went full three because I'd never like, Oh yeah, this is good. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I am personally, I feel personally attacked by my own younger self with this story. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, I dislike it so much. Um, but anyway, um, so like I got recruited by a sales agency when I was like 18, 17 or 18 to sell Cutco knives. And, mm -hmm. um, I was really good at it. Um, this is like door to door knife salesmanship. Pretty much. Yeah. Cold yeah. calling sales of cutlery. Um, huh? And I was pretty good at it. So um, I liked it because it was it was instant gratification of that self-pres three, right? Like you sell something, you make money, you are successful. Mm -hmm. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. 
serotonin <laughs> or whatever, yeah. you know, like success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when like my self-pres three kind of kicked in and was like, oh, we've never done this before. Like, what's this? Um, yeah. So, you know, it was kind of a way that I could succeed outside of the uh, like school setting um so i just took it and ran with it and i um did all of it i did like the sales rep job i did assistant manager i i owned uh, the office for like two years i moved around i like went to all the conferences i did all of it and um was really good at it (laughs) and i worked like seven days a week didn't have a life it was my life like i was full cult shit in it Um, and you know, I, while I was being a, a, it's a district manager, it's where you own an office. I was in Fredericksburg. Um, I had been neglecting like my physical health as threes often do, but I think, um, it caught up to me faster. I think probably because I have, um, like mental health issues that I had never dealt with. So my body was already kind of, you know, teetering on the edge of being okay. Um, so I got really sick. Um, I had like chronic tonsillitis for like a year and um, like I couldn't like eat. I was losing weight. Like it was just really like it was no one illness. It was just sort of like my body just breaking down. Okay. Um, so I ended up having to quit um, and realizing that was kind of when like it hit me that I cannot push myself quite to the extent that other people can um, because I saw a lot of people and maybe, you know, it was probably a little bit of the cult vibe coming in where they don't tell you what's really going on behind the scenes, but it felt like everyone else was like not struggling to the level that I struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be and, fair, you were working seven days a week and that was your whole life, right? So Right, right, right. But, yeah, you know, okay. as a three, that's nothing. Um, okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I was like, it felt, you know, like, um, I couldn't push myself to the extent that everyone else was. Um, so I ended up quitting because I couldn't hold their expectations, which nobody should, um, like, you know, they were too high. Um, and I ended up moving back in with my parents and And how how old are you at this point? 21 or 22, somewhere in there. Okay. Okay. I think 22. Um, so I ended up moving back in with my parents, didn't have a job, um, ended up finding a job through my brother, um, which was like desk work at a gun store, which is like, if you know me is really not my vibe, like, but it was, it was work, you know? So that's what I did. Also, I mean, it just really, like, is that where you put? your family member who's been struggling with suicidal ideation just that's pretty interesting to me dude no but at that point i wasn't struggling with suicidal ideation oh that's good okay um yeah yeah so i was still struggling with depression very very much but okay um also no one no one in my family like believes or knows that really like they just they just act like it never happened Um, oh interesting okay yeah yeah it's it's a fun one um so no it's not where you put people who are struggling with suicidal ideation but Mm -hmm. um yeah so I got a job there 
worked there and that's when I started sugaring as well. Okay. So um, I moved out of my parents' house. Let me stop you for one second. So because yes. the sugaring thing is going to be a whole other chapter, but the it really strikes me that having having lived your life up to 16, 17 in the state that you were in, that the opportunity to sell knives was kind of um, the lifeline that you as a three actually needed because, um, and I know that, you know, we could, we could make fun of it in all kinds of ways sure. in terms of how it's, how it's you being a three, but it sounds like it actually gave you an identity and a sense of actuated self-worth that you hadn't experienced before. Yeah. Um, I think it like showed me that I had energy and passion. Yeah. 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 And granted it was for selling knives, which maybe you're not actually passionate about, but like yeah. it was for, it was a thing that, that lit you up and that mm -hmm. you were good at and that you got to experience yourself being good at. Yeah. And yeah, so that seems like a really important thing. And you know, one of the things that really strikes me too is comparing, this is why, um, given your mental health history, like your story as a three defies certain stereotypes. Um, my story as a three is, <laughs> what's that face you made? I shook the table. <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. You're fine. I was um, like, oh, no. <laughs> so like when I was a kid, uh, you know, I had, I went to a high school, a very small high school with 39 kids in my graduating class. And it was, you know, I don't mean anything in particular by this, but like, it was, it was easy for me to get, to do very well in school. And I was in sure. like every sports thing and I was in every theater production and I was just, I was like Mr. Three. Right. And, and I had an incredible time in high school. And then, and then my depression didn't really start until college because when I went to Princeton, I had to confront uh, um, my mediocrity relative to my peers. And, this, and and also I relate to a lot of the things that you said about, I can't show that I'm struggling because mm -hmm. A players don't show that they're struggling. A players don't struggle. I couldn't accept into my self-image that I was struggling actually. Yeah. And so, you know, was trying to be in every, I was trying to be in theater productions and dance companies and an acapella group and in the hardest possible physics classes and going out every night. And it was just too much, you know, <laughs> Sounds exhausting. And, um, so my, my depression started as a result of that, but I, but I had, and this is the point I'm trying to make. I had the reference experience prior to that of feeling like alive and that people loved me. And that I was like, know on fire in high school you had then, success yeah exactly and so the contrast that i experienced in college was um what sent me into a tailspin in terms of mental health as a three and so i tie like my mental health experience is like basically textbook threes going down to levels of health um but your mental health experience doesn't really feel that way it feels like it was just this other dimension or like biochemical thing that prevented you from in a sense being a three or like doing what threes do when they're young but then here you are and you get this opportunity to sell knives and then you got to experience that and so it was mm -hmm. a kind of like lifeline and lifted you out of it and then so you found yourself back at your parents place and so i imagine that was 
I don't know, depressing or it was a, certainly a contrast or I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit hard to say because that's one of those periods where it's really, really foggy to me uh, okay. because I was so physically ill. Right, you were deteriorating, yeah. Yeah, so... Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit hard to remember, but um, I do remember that, um, like, this is when I kind of found, like, that anger fuels is, is a great fuel, like... Okay. Um, when you can't find energy. Um, so, like, I was really mad at my situation. Um, and it was one of the first times that my, uh, well, not, well, one of the first times I can remember of, like, my anger not being linked to my depression in the sense that, like, I get angry and then I get really, like, depressed. I was mm. just angry because mm-hmm. I had been, um, if, you know, being a, uh, a woman in any, like sales vibe place you're going to experience a lot of sexism and there was a lot of like a lot of sexism and a lot of um assaults that happened and a lot of being overlooked for positions and just a lot of things that had happened Mm -hmm. um in those three or four years that i had been in the uh vector marketing which is the name of it Mm -hmm. um that i was kind of coming to terms with and like there was like one specific um, line, which I've told the uh, Big Hormone Enneagram podcast, but uh, really stuck with me, which was my boss telling me right before I quit, um, Nancy, if you want to be respected like a man, you need to work like one. Um, And Mm -hmm. that was like one of those moments that I was like, well, fuck you. Um, And that's, you know, I quit immediately upon that um, statement. And so I was still really reeling from like that. So there was a lot of um, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. We're going to like do something better. Okay. Uh, Because I was pissed. So So in a certain sense, from a, from an inner point of view, um, you experienced leaving selling, not as a failure, but as a right. kind of rebellion against um, a sexist workplace and also a moment of self-care because your body was deteriorating. So yeah. the anger kind of propelled you forward. It wasn't like, an, it wasn't, you didn't have to confront like another ego death. No, no, it yeah. definitely was not an ego death. It was, it was, it was very much a, you know, I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to go do something I want to do. Yeah. Um, and that's probably what fueled me planning this road trip. Um, okay. And uh, so the job was not making me enough money. So that's why I started sugaring to make okay. money for this road trip. Oh, um, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in, um, so this that period of my life was really like um, very – Finding myself in feminism, getting away from the church, turning away from, like, the Republican Party, um, really finding, like, my political stances and that kind of stuff. So, like, I cut off all my hair. I, um, you know, broke up with a boyfriend that was, like, not supportive. Like, I did all these things that were very much like a fuck you. I'm going to do this myself now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like I kind of had my three awakening that gave me success and energy. I realized that I was not that. And then I started working towards something that I wanted to actually be, which mm-hmm. I've always loved hiking. I've always loved the outdoors. Um, I grew up like hiking around the woods behind my parents' house. Like that's all I did as a kid. Um, so I was like, started hiking a lot more because I was working kind of weird hours. So I always had like Tuesdays off. So I'd go hiking on Tuesdays and like no one's up on the mountain on Tuesdays, which is wonderful. So I got to spend a lot of time doing that. Um, learned a lot about camping, hiking, safety, got gear, um, and kind of like gathered my resources and started planning this trip to really like try myself out. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so the sh- so the sugaring thing that was a a a, a means to an end. To an and extent. Can you talk about your? I just I know that you mentioned in our last conversation that sugaring was another period of life where your threeness really showed up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm curious to hear you talk about that. And I have one other question. Let's see if you can weave this in. Can you talk about what it was like sugaring in the context of having your political feminist awakening? It's so fun. Um, it's such a it's such a party. Um, <laughs> honestly, I I really enjoyed sugaring. It was very fun. Okay. Uh, Ninety percent of the time, there's obviously the ten percent that's like, you know, people don't pay you and shit like that. Um, mm-hmm. But ninety percent of the time, it's very fun. So, um, what did you? I I lost my train of thought for a second. I asked about your experience sugaring and how. You said that it was a period of time where oh, that's it right. It was activated threeness. your threeness. Yeah, right, right, right. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, um, let's see. So it kind of started. Okay. Um, when working in this gun store, I worked around a lot of older men, who are probably a little creepy whatever um and by probably i mean they really are they liked Mm -hmm. young women so um but i realized i was really good at making them like me even though i had really short hair and i I was not like their stereotypically pretty lady um they thought it was like a fun time to banter with me and the hilarious part of old white men is you can insult them and they think it's so funny because they don't think you're serious ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So like most of my banter was just me being really insulting to people and they thought it was hilarious. So um, like I, like there was one customer who like really, lo- like really liked me. Uh, he was going through a divorce and he was like just an older dude, just like struggling and um he liked me enough he started like buying stuff for me so he started like i wanted a pistol for my house at in the in richmond because mm-hmm. richmond city is it's not the safest so mm-hmm. um and i grew up with guns obviously so i like feel 
somewhat comfortable with them being in my house um mm -hmm. now um mm -hmm. so he bought me like a gun he would take me to the shooting range he would take me hunting which i'm not a huge fan of hunting but you know mm -hmm. it's entertaining uh mm -hmm. to sit in a tree stand and watch nature and not shoot things um so like he started doing all that and i was like oh this is kind of i'm pretty good at this um and so i i had a friend who was also good at specifically making old yeah. white men pay me uh-huh okay uh -huh. <laughs> so <laughs> um i had a friend who was in it and she uh showed me like how to work the website like what to put on it what to check for all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um which I would highly recommend if you're going to get into it, especially now. You probably want to find someone who's already in it to help you. Uh -huh. um, if you have any questions, feel free to send them my way because a, I. Yeah, go ahead. Three confidence coming out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. I know. Like, I, I really, it's not the safest. So, you know, if there are any people looking to start this, like, please ask any questions you have. Um, so that's what she did for me. So, you know, I got my profile set up. Um, the first guy didn't really want to pay me. Like he wanted to just give me gifts, which is like not helpful. Um, so that was fine. But like, um, what I found out I was really good at was specifically like short, older white men and like kink. And they love that. Cause I would just mm -hmm. be like a little rude brat to them. And they were like, here's my money. They just loved it. So um, I could put on a face for three, four hours, make them really, really happy. Mm -hmm. Like, not just sexually. Like, I could just, like, they could talk about their lives to me. They could, because most of them are, like, struggling in some emotional way. Like, they, mm -hmm. this is a space for them to, you know, get something out of it mm -hmm. um, that they don't have back at home. Um, so I would offer that space to them and they really enjoyed it. And, um, I was really good at like listening and holding space for them and creating whatever person they wanted to be with mm -hmm. that day. Um, and I actually made it like one good friend out of it. He's actually a very nice guy. Like we ended up hanging out for a couple years after that, not as like a arrangement or dating, just hanging out. So, um, but he was one of the few that I was actually like myself with, but he was also like a normal person. <laughs> um, all the rest of them were very much like really troubled men who needed a certain person. So I was able to like create that for them, be that for them, and then leave. It was like the perfect three setting, right? I, I can be very one dimensional. Nobody expects me to be anything other than one dimensional. Make money, go home. Mm -hmm. And... I have a high sex drive anyway, so it works, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of, like, how I yeah. expelled you, the threeness. Do you have, or at the time, did you have any, how do I want to put this question? Um, <clears throat> like, were you aware of, of the way that you were adapting and mm -hmm. becoming another person? Yes, I was very aware of it. Right. And I, and, I took great yeah. joy in it. <laughs> it yeah, that's actually what I'm tuning into is that is, that is really interesting to me, is that mm -hmm. you took joy in it. 
Yeah. Because, because why? Because it was something that you knew that you, it was another thing that you were good at. It was another thing that I was good at and it was simple. Um, is, is very easy. Like, I don't think I could do that now, to be honest, uh, because I've kind of integrated myself integrated the multiple parts of myself so like I can't just be one dimensional anymore but in that time I hadn't so it was a part of me that I hadn't integrated that I could just fully be for like three or four hours and get paid to be um so yeah it was kind of a person that I wasn't allowed to be in normal life that I hadn't Uh integrated into my life oh like what what what's what does that mean like what what aspects or facets of you? Um, like my very, my pretty like aggressive towards men, like kind of hateful, kind of rude, kind of bitchy personality, like uh-huh. my darker personality or whatever. Sure. Um, like if you watch like how my um, what am I trying to say? My um, my style like shifted. Like if you could watch me as my style shifts through that, you could see me like integrating that part of me, like my sexy, sexual, whatever side, non-binary yeah. shit. All that was very in a corner. Mm-hmm. And in a, and I was in a very Republican setting at work. Um, you know, so like still kind of coming out of the church, hadn't like accepted that I was like bi, hadn't really accepted that I wasn't super gender conforming. So like all of my experiments, I could kind of put in that corner and I could bring out for certain men. Because certain men like certain things and most of those I had and I hadn't tried them on yet. So it allowed me to try everything on and see what I wanted to keep. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so, I am super struck by, let's see, two things. So the first is how you created the situation for yourself where you got to experiment with different, bringing out different conceal, previously concealed aspects of your personality um, and find places where not only did you get to experiment with them, but you found places where they were welcome. Mm-hmm. And um, and over time, got to integrate things that you had been hiding into your actual identity. Yes. Two is how I think it would be not so far a stretch to say that um, the uh, a typical reaction to sugaring um, for people who don't really know what it is or have spoken to a person who's actually done it um feels like it contradicts a certain ethos of feminism Mm, yeah and what's interesting to me about your experience is that you actually were discovering yourself as a feminist and kind of inhabiting and embodying and manifesting certain personality traits that are um, authentic to you as a feminist in that context and kind of locking them in as foundations of your selfhood. Um, and I just think it's amazing that you, um, that that was the, that was the framing in the context in which you did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I guess I'm lucky that I got to experiment and get paid to experiment. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think many people get that opportunity. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. The, f- the other thing I will say is just from a three point of view is that it really does feel to me like it's so important for young careers to feel good at something. Mm-hmm. And so you found not, so you had your first experience of that with the knives and the selling, and you had your second experience of that in this context of sugaring. And it seems to me like both of them gave you, gave you a sense of confidence that the rest of your life didn't really give you an opportunity to grow. Yes. Yeah. And I think, um, one thing after that happened after the sales job was I was really afraid to do something that I was that good at, um, Mm -hmm. as a job, as a full-time job, Mm -hmm. because as threes know, it's very easy to allow that to take over your life. So I think that it was an interesting time where I was able to try doing like side stuff, like side hobbies that I was good at, that I enjoyed, I happened to make money at, mm-hmm. um, and not let it take over my life and have that three be like sustained and happy because I think it is extremely important for threes to be good at stuff, to be doing something that they feel they're good at. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but not have it be my entire life. So not letting the three take me over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did you experience that at all in the context of sugaring? The the takeover? Uh, no, because it was okay. very, very, um, like I said, one-dimensional. Is I was one person for an evening. Um, and you can't really extend that into a real human life, I guess, or I couldn't. I see. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think originally when I, because we had not actually unpacked this yet, but when you mm-hmm. talked about sugaring and you said that it was another place where you were like an Uber three, um, I thought where you were going to go with it was that you applied yourself with the same kind of intensity um, as you did in the knives. And it sounds like it's a totally different thing. No, totally. Um, Yeah. So you had these like time boxed scenarios where you got to experiment with your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, I think what's helped me be such a integrated Bermuda three. Um, Even though I'm not, you know, (laughs) highly integrated, I'm more integrated than I was before. So, Mm. So, okay, so then you went on the road trip, and then you had what kind of an experience was it? Yeah, um, yeah so I went, on, I went on the road trip, um, and it was the first time that I had been that alone without expectations, right? Like, I had lived, or I had worked alone and, like, lived with roommates, but, like, I still had expectations. Like I had to show up to work. I had to do, you know, life things. But this was my first time where I was able to just do anything. Anything I wanted to. Go anywhere. Um, 
I had my dog with me. Um, he was a puppy at the time. And so it was just me and him. It was my job to take care of him. And um, it was a very, like, I feel like a lot of people probably view it as, like, a, like a, you know, like you mentioned cinematic. It was just a lot of me crying. <laughs> a huh? lot of crying. Um, yeah. A lot of, like, being, like, realizing that things don't look or or are things aren't the way you expect them to be a lot of the time um you know because you go to these beautiful places and like it's just a place and you're just Mm -hmm. a person in a place experiencing life in a different place Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like um so it kind of showed me like how normal things are i guess um everywhere and um showed me how like human I was and it really allowed me to just like be sad and like I definitely grieved like I got a lot of my grieving done alone um as a three does best um and I think I grieved like a lot of my childhood and Uh all that like you know, it's just the things that I feel like I missed out on. Um, yeah. And kind of reconciling, like, that this mental illness I have is probably going to be forever. And that's just how it's going to be. And, like, coming to terms with that. And um, coming to terms with, like, capitalism is going to run my life. <laughs> and, like, just a lot of, like, dealing with the weight of the world in a way that wasn't, I'm depressed, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. It's, like, actually dealing with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, coming to a place of acceptance instead of fighting your circumstances. Yeah. yeah. And there's something I've, I kind of like wanting to make a three connection about that. It feels like it's there, but I'm not finding it. Um, well, as a self-pres three, I think it's important that um, there's always that long, like especially self-pres three specifically, there's always that longing for home that longing for a home that you've never had. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really just a self-pres thing. Um, And I think it's important for self-pres threes to like go try and find it because it leads you eventually back to yourself Mm -hmm. because there isn't really a home that you are missing. You just, it's just that grief, that self-pres grief that's just always there. So, oh. and I think it's also important for threes to spend time alone I agree without with any expectations because you aren't going to, I feel like young threes are not going to <clears throat> learn how to be themselves until they are alone and find themselves in their silence. And then they can start integrating it into real life with other people. Although, you know, what's amazing to me though, about your experience sugaring is that in contrast to what you're saying is that. And this actually <clears throat> is sort of philosophically challenging for the way we conceive of three. Mm-hmm. Is like, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that you were finding yourself through these, what you would call like, um, 
performative relationships. And so there's something about like that was an essential aspect of your journey of individuation. Mm-hmm. And what you know, what someone w- would be very tempted to do is talk about, oh, well, like you were just being a different person with every person. You know, that's like classic three chameleonic thing. But it seems to me there's something much deeper going on there. So you had that experience and then integrated um, aspects of yourself that you hadn't ex- exper- been able to integrate before. And then you had this experience of being able to grieve um, a lost childhood after having done that, it feels like that sequence <clears throat> kind of couldn't have gone the other way. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, um, I, p- I picked out what I wanted to keep when I was sugaring. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to actually, like, I, I don't know, for some reason I'm thinking of it in terms of like a wardrobe. Like I picked out the outfits that I wanted to like, add to the wardrobe and then I integrated it into it um and um yeah and also I think just you're I mean you're pretty saucy as a person you know what I mean like (laughs) um (laughs) thank you yeah I mean was that a thing that you that was true of you before you did sugaring um no well mm, kind of but like it was it was very like in a box amazing um yeah Yeah. and it came out like it got me in a lot of trouble like you know like it was not integrated healthily Mm. so i would like Mm. date people who were not healthy for me because i was like ooh, they're bad and like i'm a little bad and like nobody knows um well i'm also just talking about like your sense of humor i mean you're like you poke people you know, yeah. and, you, <laughs> yeah, and you have this kind of like sometimes blase, like um, making fun of or dismissing people, but in a way that is actually kind of seeing them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you do yeah. it a lot to, I mean, everyone on the podcast and <laughs> um, and me <laughs> before this yeah. call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm good at it. <laughs> yeah, you are. So that's a thing too. And that's, that's an amazing, just that statement right there. Like you're good at it. I mean, I think that's, in a certain sense, that's been the through line of your story of, of, uh, uh, not, I don't want to overstate, like I was sure. going to use the word healing from mental health, but it seems to me it's apropos, but it's not, it's not complete necessarily, but the sense sure. of your individuating and like coming back to life, um, rode the, the feeling or like what, what you kept following your nose, like, what am I good at? What am I good at? Right. And that, right. that helps you constellate your sense of who you are um and then having constellated that you were able to grieve all this time where you didn't have that um and not that you're not still discovering but that seems to me the way the right way to put it yeah i think you're right um i think yeah following my nose was a good way to put it it's yeah it's sort of like um like my threeness was kind of um, shortened a little because of like my uh, mental illness as a child. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to like fast track mm-hmm. figuring out what I was good at. Whereas like most three children probably know to an extent what they're good at. They may not know themselves, but they know what they're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it was a lot of like in my early twenties, late teens finding that. 
mm-hmm. being like, oh, that worked. Oh, that worked. And just, yeah. 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 Is there anything now? Actually, yeah, I do want to ask this question. <laughs> I'm curious about, there's a bit of a fork in the road. There's. I'm curious about your time after the road trip, your experience um, on the podcast, your and your kind of professional trajectory and how that is like a continuation of your choosing to live and um, wanting to do things that you love. And the, and I'm curious if there's a moment after which for you, your identity stops being anchored to I'm good at this and starts being anchored to I like this or I want this irrespective of being good at it just because it's coming from some other inner place. Hmm. And one prompt is around like your choice of school or grads. I mean, your choice of topic to study. I'm Mm -hmm. curious about that too. Yeah. So that as a whole, (laughs) that's the menu. Uh, oh no, there are too many things. Um, okay. I feel like I need this narrowed down. I, yeah, let's narrow it down. Let's, um, can you, can you talk about, let's start here. Can you talk about your journey after the road trip? Um, actually, yeah, let's, let's do it this way. What, one of the things that I was I found kind of funny about our first conversation was how much I was struck by like you're a three you're on an Enneagram podcast it has nothing to do with your profession or your work correct um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you um, even kind of took time away from it while you were like figuring shit out in the Netherlands um, and are back and there's this like hobby thing that you hold with the Enneagram. I'm curious like what you like about the Enneagram, how it touches you, what what is interesting to you about it. And um <laughs> it's so funny. I ask these compound questions. Okay, actually let's put that one aside. Here's the, the, this is what I actually want to ask is can you talk about <laughs> can you You're talk a Bermuda, about right? I am a Bermuda. Yes, okay, no, this, this tracks two Bermudas yeah. on a call. Let's go. Um what I actually want to ask is can you talk about how you've chosen your life path forward after the road trip. Okay. Well, um, I feel like a pattern in my life is it doesn't always feel like I'm choosing it. It just sort of feels like it falls into my lap, which I think a lot of threes can um, relate to. Mm-hmm. Things just Bermuda sort of... threes, ha- for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things mm-hmm. just sort of happen to us. Um, mm-hmm. And we're just like, oh, that's a pleasant coinky-dink. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, when, when I got back, um, I, like, just a kind of a brief interlude of, like, how my professional life got started. Um, I met a person in a friend group, um, in a specifically an Ultimate Frisbee friend group. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, who was, like, hey, I think you'd be great helping me with my startup like I think you have this Enneagram I like at the point at that point I was kind of touting my Enneagram um, experience 
so he was like, you know, I think you'd be great using that Enneagram experience to help us like navigate having a startup with HR and like, because if you know anything about startups, like it's very high tension. So kind of helping them through that. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up, so I ended up helping them um, working for them for, I don't know, like six months or something. Um, Because big shocker, it didn't work out. (laughs) Most startups don't. Um, But I ended up doing like a lot of HR stuff with them. So like writing contracts and very paperworky kind of vibe. Um, And I had learned in the desk job at the gun store that I really liked working with like very detailed paperwork like I like that kind of boring shit mm-hmm. um don't know why I just like it and um so I kind of got to like see how that worked in a professional setting and really kind of like procure my professional aura uh if you will mm-hmm. so like you know kind of find my my three face to put on that's not like too different from myself but you know cleaner mm-hmm. um and that shut down i ended up going through a staffing agency they staffed me at a title company um and that's kind of how i got started in title work um which for those of you who don't know when you buy a house there's a lot of shit that goes on behind the scenes um title companies basically prove chain of title is clear so prove that everybody has owned the house legally up until this point and that way we can actually ensure the sale just to put it simply um so it's a lot of really really legalese really boring behind the scenes paperwork to put it bluntly i mean so um so i stayed with that company for a while i don't know like a year and a half close to two years um and then like moved up in like different title agencies um because once you get into title you're pretty sought after because it's not a job that most people want to do so um it's easy to find a job okay (laughs) yeah so that's kind of how my like career in that started i guess okay um and then how'd you choose to go to school oh um so i went back to therapy when i was like 22 um and i went to about three years of therapy and my last couple of months of therapy were me um coming to terms with the fact that i actually really wanted to do school because i was a really bad student in high school i was like D's get degrees <laughs> uh, level. Like literally my my GPA from high school is like a 1.06. Like it was bad. It was bad. Um, so I was like coming to terms with the fact that I actually really enjoyed researching. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. what I found in these jobs. It's like I really like researching and like finding out new things and learning about these laws that are like buried deep within the bowels of the legal system like I just like you know I think it's interesting so I was kind of working with my therapist at the time like I had a as as a three does I had built my persona around not being college educated um and I was like you don't need college like yeah that's fascinating yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so I was like I'm better than that like I don't need college you know like I'm good like I'm smart that's good yeah Mm -hmm. and um 
so kind of breaking down the fact that like no I I do want to go to college now and now this is like a different part of me that I hadn't like learned about um I just want to stop just one second I just like I'm smiling because that is such an interesting thing about threes it's like Oh man, like just just how <laughs> how every decision has to be rationalized within your self concept. Yes, and yes, and and so also work, and also your self concept has to be superior to whatever you're comparing it to. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, like I like no, I haven't gone to college. No, college like people go to college are dorks. So like what or yeah, whatever, exactly. like you know, like, like I don't need it. I'm above capitalism. Like fuck yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> That's amazing. So you, so your choice to go to college had to basically like, you had to reconstitute your identity to fit that in. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, one nice thing that's gro- that comes with growing older as a three is realizing that we are all very dynamic humans, and like, you can want different things than maybe your persona would allow. Right? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I know it's blo- it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. <laughs> you can. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. So yeah, it's it's that is a constant struggle with me of like being able to like make myself seem like this put together person, but also be like I've lived 15 lives. Like nah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, not being perceived as flaky. Whole thing. It's a whole thing, yep. Josh. Um, so, yeah, so I had to basically, like, break down my persona of myself to, like, fit this in. Um, you know, like, when you, like, set up a bookshelf, but now you get a new book. Now you have to put it somewhere. Anyway, that's what I had to do. Um, so I started going back to school because we had planned to move to the Netherlands. And um, obviously, they were not going to accept my co- high school degree <laughs> um, in colleges over there. So, Mm -hmm. um, and fun fact about me, I actually went to a non-accredited high school, so I technically don't have a high school degree. Um, Uh Christian high school kids, am I right? Um, so. (laughs) So wait, but you wanted to go to the Netherlands, the Netherlands was just like a place you wanted to live, period, full stop, with Brian, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah. The Netherlands was, it, it was, um, had the most pros, like we wanted to live in Europe, but. Mm-hmm. Netherlands had the most okay pros. check yeah uh but what I didn't realize is the Netherlands schools are either the best in the world and you cannot get into them or they're shit and there's no in between uh and I went to the one that is shit <laughs> and didn't know anyway super fun times so I started going back to school to get an associate so that they would accept me basically into college over there into into mm-hmm. uni um and I went for just business because I thought I wanted to do like some form of like event coordinating um, because I just wasn't sure. Like it just sounded fun. So I was like, sure. Um, Mm -hmm. As I went through business, my business degree, I realized that that is like not my vibe. Um, I had not come into like my fully introverted self yet, I would say. Okay. Um, And through college, COVID hit, right? And I realized that I was like, oh, I am a true introvert. I can sit alone in a room for like six days and I'm, I love it. So um, I realized that I probably have autism, realized that I 
cannot function at a high level in um, very social settings for a long time. So I realized kind of my limitations there. Um, And so that's when I kind of realized that event management and like anything having to do with uh, like contact with humans (laughs) is probably not my thing. Mm -hmm. So I kind of took a couple electives because it's an associate. So I was already like deep into it. Like once I realized this and you can't really change your degree in associates like it's too fast. Um, so I took some electives that were um, things I was interested in. So like psychology and um, microbiology. Mm-hmm. And I loved microbiology. It was so fun. Like every class, I was just like eating it up. I was reading the textbook, which like, who reads the fucking textbook in an associate's yeah. degree? Um, I listened to podcasts. Like I listened to a podcast called Genetics Unzipped and I'm like, every new every new episode that comes out I'm like oh what are they talking about and it's just shit that I like don't really understand but I like love it um I've listened to the book well it's like a series of lectures called the theory of everything it's physics I don't know what I don't understand physics but I love it (laughs) so like that's where I started realizing like my little science brain had never been fed as a child because I was taught creationism and then i was kind of talking to some friends about it. I was talking to like I want to do science but I don't know what and one of my friends dads is a geneticist I think he's some form of like breeding PhD animal stuff so he was like I have a lab I work with specifically food animals in this case sheep um come watch what I do and I was like okay so I shouted him for a day got to see his lab got to see how he collects semen which is super entertaining not because I got to watch semen collection but because his system was funny um he literally like to clarify uh he had to he had to create sheep fleshlights like it was a whole thing. It was so funny. He had like these okay. PVC pipes with like rubber condoms in them, but they have to be pumped full of warm water so that it actually feels like, you know, wow. a uh-huh. vagina, a vaginal yeah, yeah. cavity. Um, and then I got to see like all these pictures of sperm under a microscope. And he was like, yeah, I actually castrated like one of these sheep. And then we tested his semen and there was one sperm in it going around and around in circles. Like it didn't have good motility, but it was there. And he was like so proud of himself because it's also very hard to find sperm under a microscope. Like that was crazy <laughs> chances. Okay. So, yeah. so anyway, he was very excited about it. It was it was um, me and he's very German. So like it was me and this old German guy discussing sheep sperm for like all day. Um, mm-hmm. It was so fun. It was the most fun I've had in a, a long time. So yeah. that's when I kind of realized that I wanted to do genetics or genome something, but in animals, not in humans. I don't human genetics is not my thing. So yeah, so this is this is really cool and and interesting to me from a three point of view because, and this I think is what I was trying to set up is that previously your you were building your identity based on things that you felt you were good at like you discovered, oh, I'm really good at selling knives or I'm really good at like making old white men like me or whatever. (laughs) And your 
like just hearing you talk about genetics, just like the quality of your storytelling, like you were so lit up just talking about it. And yeah. you know what I mean? And that's, that feels to me like the heart shine of the three, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, it's not the polish. It's like the actual yeah. glow. And it's coming from a different place. It's like, mm -hmm. it's actually not a competence place to start. You know, it's like, like I was hearing you say that you're listening to these podcasts. You don't actually even understand what they're saying. It's not like you're not leading with, oh, I, I'm really good at this. You're no, leading with, I, like, in fact, I'm really I bad just, at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're leading with, I just am really fascinated by this and I really like it. Period. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the thread that you're following now. And I imagine three competent stuff will eventually show up and that oh, you'll, it definitely does. you know, yeah, get good at it and stuff like that. But, um, just cause it lights you up. That's the reason now that you're going after it. So that feels yeah. really cool. It is. And I think um, the blessing of the three is having the confidence to go after something that I don't think I'm particularly good at sciences. Um, mm -hmm. But that three like cockiness where you're like, I can do anything. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like I don't think most people uh, would go after a degree where they're like, I am not good at like, I'm not good at this, but I'm going to go after it because I know if I work hard enough, it'll probably work out for me. <laughs> Which That's is like great. that cocky three shit where you're just like, sure, I can scuba dive to the bottom of the ocean. Totally. You're talking to the guy who taught himself piano at 24 and became exactly. a professional. Yeah. So yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'm very familiar with that space. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I can. Totally. <clears throat> yeah. 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 So, okay. So I'm noticing the time and let's, let's wrap up here, but um, okay. this is amazing. And also I'm so glad that we came full circle to your time in the Netherlands. So, so that's where you are now is like you, you went, you went to school basically like, Da, 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 went out there and <laughs> this is the thing and and here you are back in virginia um it was not the thing yeah and um i'm i will restrain myself from asking you what your next steps are because maybe uh, are you you're i imagine you're just figuring it out like you're not sure yet you think i don't have a plan bitch like come on you got one um, oh yeah i had a plan from the moment that i knew i wasn't going to continue with this school i was like all right let's go um this I've is probably like... six fixed second oh. as opposed to last because I'm I'm three nine six. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. and I definitely experience I mean your quality of energy is feels to me six second as opposed to last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely have a very strong connection to six. But yeah, mm -hmm. when plans fall through, I don't immediately mourn them. I fix this scenario and mm -hmm. then I mourn them. Hmm. So I had to come up with like, what am I going to do now? Um, so I have already applied to colleges here in the States. I'm transferring my credits. I'm probably going to go to ASU online because they have a biology program online. All this stuff. I get it. I'm like making sure that I get enough lab hours. <laughs> like I probably mm -hmm. start in like March, I think. Mm -hmm. um, we're job searching, got an apartment, you know, bang, bang, boom, all that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the well, plan. Good luck with all that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So how are you feeling and what has this been like for you? Um, it's been really fun. It's been a less heavy than our first call. Um, it was, it was a lot more like bouncing around and kind of having fun with the topic. So that's kind of cool. Um, I like that you c contextualize like everything I said in threeness. It was interesting to me because I often don't do that. Cause like you said, I, 
I think of my three as secondary to like my weird brain shit. Mm -hmm. So I always am entertained by people like being like, oh, so this might be your three coming through. I'm like, oh, yeah, it might be. Like, <laughs> uh -huh. so, yeah. so that was really fun to like listen to you uh, mansplain myself to me. <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> You're so welcome. I'm happy to mansplain anything you want anytime. I know. Well, you are you're our white guy. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, okay, well great. <laughs> um, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate of it. Of course. Yeah, it was really my fun. pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs>